Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to another English edition of Messi and Co. Yesterday we recorded in Spanish and today we're here to bring you all the Inter Miami CF and Lionel Messi content in English as we do every single week. I love that everybody's checking out the pod. We've, we've done some great stuff here. A lot of content being pushed out. So make sure you stay tuned on the Five Reasons Sports Network with us on Messi and Co. Join with me today is Gian. Gian, thanks so much for coming on. Having you on the English and Spanish inside is great. I'm sure you're loving to be able to talk about everything all the time. Yep. <laughs> um, and we have a lot to talk about today. Uh, there was a lot that went on this week following the crazy game against FC Dallas. Um, and we're going to start off real quickly with what happened this morning as of recording. We're recording on Thursday, August 10th, right around one o'clock. And we just finished up a press conference with Tata Martino and Benjamin Kromeshki, who has been a ma massive, massive talking point. Um, and, and the midfield has as well, which we're going to get to with a very special guest. Just going to tease that for now. And then, um, you know, there's been some other updates from training that we have to talk about, too, in terms of injuries and players hanging around and all this kind of stuff. So we have a lot to talk about today. So let's just jump right into it. Tata Martino and Benjamin Kromeshki sat in front of the media and spoke a little bit at a press conference at Drive Pink Stadium. Gian, you got to listen to the entire thing. What were some of the key notes and things that you heard uh, from both of those guys? Yeah, so uh, I was able to, to listen to it. Most of it was in Spanish. And uh, so I know that maybe some of our, our listeners maybe weren't able to understand. So we'll just kind of want to take a, a minute and go through some of the key points. There's a lot of stuff said, so maybe some of the most important things and uh, just touch on that. So one of the first things that was asked, it was a question to Kremaski, and it was basically about the penalty that he had to take, right? And the kind of the responsibility of such a big moment. And they asked him, like, what passed through you? What was going on in your head? What were you thinking about when you grabbed that ball to shoot that last penalty kick? And he said basically that he just knew that he had to make it. He knew that he had to finish that game. There was no other option in his mind. He knew that that he was uh, he had to finish that. And ultimately that he knew from the moment that he touched that ball, he knew where he was going to kick it. Right. So he was he knew exactly where, where that ball was going to go. It wasn't like one of those penalties where, you know, there's a, some fakes and you stop here, you know, and you make your decision at the end. He knew from the very beginning where he was going to put that ball and ultimately it ended up working out for us. So that was just kind of interesting to see from Crema's perspective, uh, that that last shot. Uh, and then one thing that was also interesting, it was asked of Tata if there'd be any defensive changes for tomorrow's game. We know that we've been struggling a lot on the defensive end uh, as a team. So. Basically, what he said was, and this was kind of surprising to me, he said that the defensive issues were not, necessar not necessarily a, a personnel thing. It wasn't something to be solved with personnel on the field, but rather something that was going to take time. Um, it was something that it was going to take work. Right. And that's just something interesting because we also know that, you know, we've got some players coming in that can maybe slot in on the defensive end. So that's, that'll be interesting to figure out and see what, what we can do. But he also said, and, and it's funny because the question was asked, 
was, you know, we were very lethal on the attacking end during that game. But at the same time, you know, they were very lethal when they were attacking us. So he kind of said, like, you know, I don't want to compromise our defense because if we compromise, you know, excuse me, if we attack too much, we can compromise our defense. And inversely, if we focus too much on the defensive end and we're too defensive, then we can compromise our attack. So there's got to be a balance between the two. That was something interesting that, that he mentioned. Um, then as far as just going back to Crema, they asked him, uh, and this is interesting just because of all the, the changes we've seen in the midfield, they asked him, like, what position do you feel most comfortable playing? And to which he answered, he actually likes playing on the interior uh, end of the field. He likes playing with, uh, he loves that, that, uh, that three midfield uh, scheme that we, that we use with one pivot playing. Um, he knows that he's had to play different positions in the past. He said that this position specifically where he's able to control the ball the most, to, to be on the inside of the field and, and be more involved in the play is something that he likes because he's able to express his playing style more. It's something that suits his play style more. And he, he said that, yeah, he's had to play on the wing before, but that's not something that he necessarily uh, likes or prefers. He had to do it more so because of necessity. So yeah. it shows that he's versatile and, and he understands, like, I'm kind of willing to do whatever it takes for the team. Yeah, Benha, Benha is uh, not the only victim that fell yeah. into that trap under, under Phil Neville uh, over the last couple of years. And you did mention defense, uh, Dion, and, you know, a lot of changes – people will say have to be made there are some very experienced guys back there and Kamal Miller who's been in the league for a while Sergey Kristov has played in the Champions League but they kind of went and insured themselves with a with a huge U22 signing of Thomas Avales who we haven't who we haven't seen yet who's not I don't believe in the United States yet it's going to take some time to work on the paperwork yeah. but speaking of insurance um, let me go to a quick ad here a aggressive insurance thank you so much this is the insurance agency that works for you it's an insurance brokerage agency that has been servicing South Florida for over 15 years. They offer auto insurance, homeowner insurance, condo insurance, life insurance, and a ton of retirement programs. They give free notary services as well to all of their clients. Uh, and they're representing the leading carriers in South Florida. If you have a bad driving record, no problem. No drivers are refused. And if you call them at that number, 954-581-8800, they will give you a free quote over the phone. So make sure you check out A Aggressive Insurance. And thank you so much. Uh, for sponsoring this episode of Messi and Co. So back to what you were saying uh, between Tata Martino and Benha. First of all, I also loved the the whole thing about the penalty too, because you have yeah. to have confidence, especially as an 18-year-old, uh, to go up and take that as the fifth penalty. And that was obviously predetermined by the team and by the coaching staff that Benha would be the fifth one. Um, you know, I, I think it was it was a little bit of luck that that. Paxton Pomicall actually skied his penalty. Drake didn't even have to make a save, so it got yeah. down to that point. And, you know, he, he went up and took it with confidence. I believe Tata, even after the game, said that it was something that Ben Ha wanted. And can you imagine Gian doing that in front of your idol? I mean, what? It's just that's insane. insane. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a, a big ask from an 18-year-old. So it's just so it's kind of like the confidence that he has in him, not – you know, the performance that he's given so far this this tournament and the way he stepped up and he's and he I think that, you know, even Messi when Messi looked at him with the biggest smile and the biggest embrace when he scored that. So it's just something really neat to watch, especially from a homegrown. Yeah. And the yeah. thing is, it's not only a homegrown like it, it's it is a true homegrown in, yeah. from Key Biscayne and 
he's an Argentinian American and it, it just kind of you know we saw stuff earlier on this this season when when Messi first came in with the Ian Frey injury and the way Messi handled that situation holding up his jersey the first thing he talked about in the post-game press conference that game um was about Ian Frey and saying that they dedicated it to him and it, it was just you know he was like okay I'm gonna take these young guys under my wing and that's exactly what he's done and you see it now with Benha as well and the confidence that he's putting into these young guys that were part of Inter Miami's project from the very beginning Jorge Moss and David Beckham spoke very highly about the academy and the prior prioritization there and that's not going away with these star signings I don't believe that they're going to take any focus off of the academy and Benha is a true representation of that and so are the other guys I mean David Ruiz is still going to be a rotational player down the stretch uh, because of a couple of injuries, which we're going to get to in a little bit, actually. Uh, you think of a guy like Noah Allen, who will have to fill in for Jordi Alba. Yeah. Uh, you have strikers in Schneider Borgelin. And there's just so many different guys um, that are there right now that have been there. You've seen it, I think, under Javi Morales. Six academy players were on the field at the same time at one point. Yeah. So there's a lot to be said for what's going on in the Academy and, and everybody who's coming up. And, and because of Messi and because of all these stars, granted, it's a huge, huge talking point and it, it should be the main focus uh, for everybody watching. But also this is still an organization that has grassroots. That's still an organization that yeah. wants to bring up. And I think that, I mean, I would like to talk with Tata a little bit more about that, maybe down the stretch here. I know there's a lot of focus because it's still quite the most hype thing in all of South Florida sports, but Maybe down the stretch, we'll get to talk to him a little bit more about that. Um, but with that said, Gian, what else did you learn from this press conference? I know there was some couple of things from training, but a couple of key names that are possibly getting fixed back into the squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's definitely some uh, some key uh, players coming into the squad. Uh, we uh, did hear about, um, you know, two players that were very important before their injuries. And we heard about Tata mentioning, you know, uh, Stefanelli and uh, John Mota have told him specifically that they're ready to join the team as of Saturday, and then they, they've been medically cleared. So that's really important. It's a it's a huge step for us. Um, Tata's got the, his work cut out for him because you know the, the team's kind of gelling right now. But it's a good problem to have. You got excellent players that are just wait, waiting to step on the pitch for you, and and uh, let's see what happens. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that you know. For John Motha specifically, it's Nico Stefanelli. We've not heard much about since the injury. Like he has not yeah. been talked about almost at all. And so it's good to see that the first update we've gotten is a positive one. With John Motta, however, if you've been if anybody who's been to a couple of trainings or seen what's been going on, or at least following it, John Motta has done a lot of individual work. And Miami has done this uh, on a year to year basis where you know, for media accessible trainings, they will put out the players who have been injured off to the side, working with the trainer just for them to, you know, show face and whatnot. And I think that John Mota has done that for the last couple of weeks now. Even Gregory has done that earlier on. We didn't see Gregory today from training, however, yeah. but John Mota was there and I believe he was participating in team drills already. So that is a huge, huge note. Once they're doing the individual work, you kind of say, okay, they're going to need some time, but that insertion, you know, as as Tata mentioned, you know, training with the group, as he said, that is a huge, huge step. That is a step that is um, is one that you look at and say, yeah, OK, they're they're almost there. Now, Jean Monta probably cannot play in League's Cup. I don't think they have any more adjustments that they could make to that roster. Um, yes. So that's I mean, they got to add Diego Gomez. But I think that I think the deadline is probably hit by now. It's the quarterfinal for Christ's sake. So I think that that's probably done. 
But yeah. past August 19th, I think Jean Motta and even Gregory, which I'll talk about in a second, have a good chance of playing at some point throughout the season, which didn't look like a possibility when the injuries first happened. But looking at it now, I think that that's something that you can look at and say, okay, this this might be huge for the team going forward because depth, as we know, in MLS is, is such a huge, huge thing. Uh, depth in MLS is something that not a lot of teams have the luxury of. And, and Miami, with the way they've handled the U22s and their DPs and the roster building just from, you know, the homegrowns and the generational Adidas players and, you know, the reserve players and all this kind of stuff, they've handled it extremely well. So with everybody coming back from injury, I think that you can say Miami will be one of the deepest teams in MLS and it will help them with the eventual playoff push. Granted, they have 12 games left remaining yeah. in MLS. They probably have to win about nine of them. So you might need to get deep uh, in order to try and, and win some games in the dog days of summer in MLS, which is where it's the hardest to do. And Messi has a task on his hands that we'll talk about uh, later on. But right now, the focus is obviously on League's Cup. There's a couple other updates from training other than, than Nico Stefanelli and Jean Mota. The biggest one, not really that big at all, but the one that I found very interesting, Gian, was Nick Marsman was there. I don't know if you saw, but Nick Marsman was at training after I think a week ago, he was bought out by the team. Uh, they used their buyout on Nick Marsman, which for me makes the most sense because he was making a lot of money under the cap yeah. and he has not played at all. Like he's played some inter Miami CF two games, but this is something that I have been screaming for. Uh, not necessarily a buyout, but to move on from Nick Marsden for years with the uprising of, of Drake Callender. What do you make of him still getting to be a training and just to stay fit? Is this just a club, you know, reaching out like, you know, you don't necessarily want you to go, but it's kind of something that we had to do. They're letting him stay fit. You saw Clement Diop do this a little while ago who got to come in and train with them and then eventually sign. So um, with with Nick Marsden still being at training, is it just a nice gesture from the club, do you think? I think so, because I think that what you're trying to build here is a, is a team that's like cohesive, that takes care of its own. Um, and, you know, he was a part of the team not shortly ago. And I think that that sends a message to other free agents and other players that might think about coming to Miami to say, hey, this is a good environment. This is a family. These are people that, that, that care about each other. Um, and we see that in, in soccer, we see that in other sports where teams try to cultivate that environment and optics is really important when joining a team. Some people might not realize that, but that's, those are, these are the types of things that other players think about before making those decisions on who to, who, who to move on with, who not to, you can even have agents that are, excuse me, not agents, but uh, yeah, uh, free agents that maybe take less money, you know, that just to join a team that they think that they're going to feel comfortable with. I mean, just imagine the optics of you know uh buying him out and then just saying you know get the hell out of here like those are things that that we definitely as inter miami we're we're a new team and with all the new faces that we have with data coming in i i know that we're definitely trying to portray a a, a winning image and an image that is uh we're called la familia for something right so yeah all right, so on our way back after this quick ad break we have as i mentioned early on a very special guest to talk about uh, the Inter-Miami midfield with Gian and I, who have had some disagreements in the last couple of episodes, <laughs> but it's going to be really important uh, to get an outside source here to go ahead and discuss everything that's going on, specifically with Diego Gomez. We will be right back. 
If you are ready to transform your backyard into a haven of relaxation and luxury, look no further than our amazing podcast sponsor, L'Aqua Azura Pool Services. With over 20 years of industry experience, L'Aqua Azura is a name you can trust when it comes to services, equipment repairs, and restoration for all things pools. If you're looking in the South Florida area for your pool to be serviced on a month-to-month basis, L'Aqua Azura posts an impressive five-star rating on Google reviews, and it's a testament to their dedication to the customer satisfaction and top-notch service. Also, if you mention Messi & Co., you will get your first month of pool service absolutely free. So don't wait for pool service, patio renovation, or more. Call them now at 954-793-7206 and get a free quote for any project. Thanks, L'Aqua Azura. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash... Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of hefty large black bags. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right. And we are back with a very special guest, none other than Roberto Rojas, who works with The Zone. Roberto, thank you very much for coming on. I know we've had a couple of soccer discussions in the past with each other. I'm so glad that you get to come on and do this. So we get a Paraguayan uh, perspective on a Paraguayan player with Inter Miami. If you guys don't know, Roberto works with the zone, but he also has two podcasts. Uh, the first ever podcast uh, in English dedicated to Paraguayan football, Guanani Vision, also the Low Limit Football podcast. So make sure you guys go check him out um, on his Twitter. If you want, all of the information is there at Roberto Rojas. Um, Roberto, thanks so much for coming on. And uh, Gian and I are extremely happy to talk with you about none other than Miami's midfield and Diego Gomez. And I just We'll just start off with your initial reactions to the signing and, and kind of what you've seen from him early on in his appearances. Yeah, first of all, thank you so much, guys, for, for having me. It's a pleasure. And, and you know, certainly it's a it's an exciting time. I think certainly for, for Americans, it's very much exciting to see the fact that we get Lionel Messi in our in our own backyard, in our own league, playing and, and playing the way that he is um, so incredibly well. But I think there's also another part to many other communities out there that see and have the pleasure of playing alongside him. And one of them is obviously the Paraguayan community. And, you know, with Diego Gomez coming in, it, it's kind of not surprising, I would say, given the fact that his talent has always been able to demonstrate that he could play abroad. And he demonstrated that over there at, at Libertad at such a young age, you know, and now making the big jump. And it happened so quickly, you know, the fact that this guy, literally made his debut in the middle of the pandemic and you know he, he was a in, a in a team that's very difficult to break in when when you are a youngster in at Libertad, you know one of the strong sides in in Paraguay football as a whole so for him to do that and and to now make this jump to MLS to Inter Miami it's it's nothing short of a of a nice story i would say so i think you know like i said it's it's interesting to see that Tata Martino who obviously has all the references you know this is someone that really bursted onto the scene in Paraguay. Like everyone remembers him as, you know, Atlanta United coach, 
Mexico's coach, Barcelona's coach, or even Argentina. But way before that, he really made his name coaching in Paraguay. He coached two clubs there, one of them being Libertad. Um, obviously, some connections there also led him into the Paraguay national team when he went to um, he took this team to the World Cup quarterfinals in 2010. So, you know, obviously he's a very respected name and, you know, he's always someone that I think always demonstrated a lot of affection and, and respect towards Paraguayan players. So I think it, it works in that way, both ways for Diego Gomez, you know, for him to play alongside Lito Messi and, and become the first ever Paraguayan to do so. Um, but also just to play alongside a, a really, you know, a, a manager that has shown a lot of respect um, to Paraguayan football as always. Well. We look back at when Miguel Miron first joined Atlanta United, you know, the fact that, you know, he could have made the trip to go anywhere in Europe or any other team in the world. And he decided to go to Atlanta United because he wanted to play with other Martino and because of that impact. And look at him now playing in England. So I think, and again, like we've, we've only seen two games of him, you know, a one start and one substitute appearance where I think you saw in my estimation, I'd love to hear your guys thoughts about it. It's just, I think you saw, kind of things that he's good at, but also things he can improve on. I think in the first game, you kind of saw him, you know, be a bit nervous, but then he was able to to really get to the groove of things, like being able to, to you know, help out under the defense and then be able to, to start plays in transition as well. I think you saw that even in the game against um, Orlando City, how he was more being able to be more box to box and, and move forward. But in the game against, you know, um, FC Dallas, I think you saw maybe just a bit of the stuff where he was a bit more erratic. He had a bit more nervousness in him as well. So I think in a way that's a good thing because it allows Stata Martino and his players. And hell, if you're going to learn how to become a, a good midfielder, might as well do it with one of the greatest defensive midfielders of all time and with the, one of the greatest players of all time as well. So I think right now from what I've seen in this in these basically – small debut of uh, what, like 120 minutes combined. I think we're seeing a, a player that is on the rise, can indeed improve, but he has to do it quickly because I think as Inter-Miami continue to win games and continue to build momentum and other players also trying to make their name on this side as well, I think um, he would have to get moving fast. But from what I've seen, I mean, it's nothing. He hasn't done anything too crazy for him to, to either showcase himself or to become, you know, kind of a bust, you would say. Yeah, and this is this is where Gian and I had a lot of discussion about it because when he came on in that game against Orlando, I loved the aggressiveness, and we talked about it a little bit, Roberto. You know, you know, on Twitter and everything like that. Um, I, I love that he showed a ton of aggression and he was eager and hungry when on a ball, on the ball, off the ball, it didn't really matter. He he was aggressive and making passes and things like that. So it didn't necessarily work out all the time in his favor, but you could tell that he was eager to get on the field and, and showcase what he can do. Now, with that said, this is where Gian and I disagreed. I thought that with that performance, whether it was the greatest one you've ever seen or the worst, that Diego Gomez did enough to earn a starting spot going into the Dallas match. And I thought that Tata Martino would go ahead and do that over the likes of Ben Hakrameshki. Um, and, and Gian thought that he should keep the midfield the same. Now, in my opinion, and I don't know exactly what you saw against uh, FC Dallas, but in my opinion, Tata Martino changed the midfield just a little bit enough to where I think the system failed him. And Gian kind of, I, I don't know your thoughts completely on that. I know we talked about it a little bit after the game, but there was a, a shift in the, from a double to a single pivot. Dixon Arroyo dropping in a lot more than he was before and, and playing out on the right a little bit. In this three-man midfield with Diego Gomez, I think that he Tata Martino thought he would have a lot more balance than he would with the likes of Benha Kermeshki, who likes to get forward and play more as a number 10 rather than a box-to-box. -box. But the balance didn't come, did it, Gian? 
No, no. I, th I think that a lot of time, it's just the whole setup for that game didn't necessarily suit Gomez that much because Gomez is very aggressive. He likes to be very involved in the attack, I've noticed. I mean, and he's just so good at finishing inside or even outside the box. He kicks very well from outside the box. He's I saw a lot of goals he scored from headers, so he's very involved up top. The only issue was, yeah, Arroyo was on the back, but Busquets was playing a lot higher than he typically will play. And then our fullbacks typically play very high up as well. And that just left us very much open to the counterattack on, on numerous times. So I think that it's kind of like a, a combination just of Gomez getting more games under his feet to understand what his role is. Like, you know, he's got to come down a bit more. He's got to adjust that part of his game, but that's a learning process. But then also just that learning kind of like if you're going to use him, use him like appropriately and make sure you set everybody else up to suit his game. So I think it's just a learning process. Even Tata today said in the press conference that, yeah, he noticed that Gomez was very nervous, uh, but that this was more about an adaptation period for, uh, for Gomez. And that, yeah, we just saw Jordi Alba, Busquets and Messi debut. And to really expect the same from Gomez as these three is not the right context to put this in. That's pretty much what Tata said. So, um, which when he said, you know, Gomez needs some adaptation, I thought that was right. He needs to adapt. So that's why you and me kind of disagreed. I'm like, yeah, he needs to adapt. Well, why did you put him in to start right away? Like, I thought it should have been more incremental. But uh, Gomez is very promising. I just think he needs some time. Roberto, what should what should Diego Gomez's role be in the mid from what you saw with him in South American football and coming up now to MLS, where are his strengths and what should he be asked to do in Tata Martino's midfield alongside the likes of Sergio Busquets and Dixon Arroyo. And maybe when Gregory and Jean Mota come back, other six or box to box guys that may give a little bit freedom to a guy who wants to go forward. I think, you know, it's like you said, I think this is someone that is very much aggressive and you kind of see in some of the matches that he's played already how he really likes to go forward. And I think he, he's demonstrated that. I think he's someone that likes to win the ball and, and loves to go in transition. Yes, you can get someone, and I think that's good for someone like him to have the attributes to go and ship back and help the defense. But, you know, <laughs> there's only so many other players that can do that, even with Busquets, you know, even him trying to go forward, maybe not as much as he needs to, of course. You can't really doubt his talents at all and, and his capabilities. So why should we ever have to do so? But maybe for like this Nixon Arroyo as well, it's like, you know, where do you put him? So I think for Gomez, I, I think you even saw that in some of the games that he's he's performed, even in like the first, like, okay, he wasn't involved directly, but at least he was able to, you know, play a part, you know, winning the ball back and then moving it forward, you know, for the goal. I think it was the first goal actually against, um, against MC Dallas. And then one of the goals, like the third goal against, um, Orlando City. So it's like, all right, that's exactly the kind of player that you want. And I think as more people tend to look at him as well, I think, like you said, this is someone that likes to go forward and likes to win headers, likes to go in and, and is not afraid to shoot from distance as well. So, and you want that, you want that because maybe it allows someone like Messi to, you know, again, he does his own thing. He's able to work in whatever position possible, but at least it doesn't, it eases off a bit of the pressure from him, even from the likes of maybe even Taylor, Joseph Martinez, that you can get someone that is able to, to go on the attack and be able to to help the team move forward. And I think someone like him who can obviously improve, and, and I think I agree with, with John in that set of like, you know, that kind of adaptation, you know, I think, 
yeah, of course, you're making that big jump from Paraguay and MLS, and maybe people expect you, you know, as the number eight, and you're, you're coming in as kind of that young star. Yeah, you want to do that. But at the same time, you know, these are players that <laughs> it's not going to happen like that instantly. But yeah, it, obviously, like after like what 10 15 games if he's not exactly performing to the standards that he is and then 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 you're going to start doubting he hasn't reached that yet and we have no idea what he's going to do of course you got to be optimistic in in the games that we saw if they get the balance correctly and we'll, you know we'll see what they do in the next game against charlotte's just like you know be able to to get that um would i start him i mean i i at this point i feel like maybe Maybe you do, and, and rightly so. If, if Tata feels like he trusts him as well, you know, who are we to doubt? I mean, yeah, of course, if, if he's making that choice, I'm like, no, this is a guy that I want on my midfield. I want him to be that kind of, like, link of play to, to help the midfield and, and try to create that balance. So be it. Then I have no issues with it. But, again, I think it's just a case of him being able to demonstrate his talents, and, you know, rightly so. He's, he's making that big jump. And I think even for him as well, I'll even admit it as well, you know, speaking to – people in Paraguay kind of involved. I think it also changes this kind of dynamic of what the Paraguayan player will think of MLS. Cause maybe they think and there still is that kind of stereotype that hopefully has been diminished away uh, after seeing the likes of Almiro and many other Paraguayans play there. But this case of like, it's not as aggressive as one would say in Paraguay. And I think that's a completely disagree. I completely disagree with that. I think it's, it's way more than he expected. It's very much more fast paced because, you know, Paraguay football is a bit more slower. You, you have, you take your time. Yes. You'll have the aggressiveness and whatnot, but MLS it's as much as they want to like not admit it, it's very much different than what you would expect in Paraguay. So he has to adapt to that. I think if he adapts to the speed and be able to understand what works best for him. And I have full cap- um, uh, certainty that he will do that, but I think it's just a case of like trying to see what works best for him but I think at the end of the day, if, if Tata trusts him and he feels that he's someone that can, you know, be that kind of like metronome in the midfield and, and help out on the attack, then I think he has a lot to work with. And it's all on him at this point. And, and there's one one big thing here that we haven't mentioned yet is that there's going to be competition in Miami's midfield. There is a ton of it, especially going forward and in the very near future. We talked about it just a little bit ago about, you know, the possibilities of Jean Mata returning when MLS starts back up, Gregory as well. And, you know, Gian and I had the disagreement on Ben Hakromeshki and Diego Gomez and who should start. So immediately, as soon as Diego Gomez got here, it wasn't like he was 100% going to be the starter. We didn't know what was going to happen. And you had a ton of people saying otherwise that he shouldn't be and you should keep Ben, huh? And, then Ben Hunt gets subbed on against FC Dallas and scores in 15 minutes or 15 seconds with like his second touch of the game. So there is a lot to be said for not only the aggressiveness and the style of play in MLS, but also the competition that, you know, these younger South Americans have to come into because they're not going to be guaranteed locked in starters, even if they're a big money move. I think Facundo Farias, when he comes into Inter Miami, will also struggle to get a starting role. Uh, Tomas Aviles as well. All of these young South Americans that, you know, had millions of dollars in transfer fees combined you know, they, they are going to have to compete for starting roles in this Inter-Miami side. Now, granted, that might not be the case for every single MLS team because we just said Miami are probably going to be one of the deeper teams in MLS for the rest of the year because of their roster construction and how well they've done using the U-22 rules and the DP rules and all of that kind of stuff. But Diego Gomez, you know, after that performance from Kermashki and the confidence that I'm sure the homegrown has after scoring a, a goal and scoring the fifth penalty to win the match, 
is at an all-time high. And he's playing alongside his idol in, in Lionel Messi as an Argentinian-American. And he has played well in the midfield alongside Busquets and Arroyo. And when Kromeshki come on came on, you saw an adjustment in uh, tactics as well, where Tata went to a three-center-back formation with Dixon Arroyo formally dropping as a third center-back rather than it being a little bit more fluid. And with Kromeshki, you know, having to take on the responsibility of you have to advance the ball between the lines. He went ahead and did that and scored right away. So Diego Gomez probably has his work cut out for him. What do you see that competition like Roberto for him? Is it a positive thing? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. I, I think yeah. certainly it allows him to be motivated and to see someone that really isn't in that same position thinking, Oh shit, I have to, I have to do better than what, you know, these guys are doing. And these guys have, Again, they've played already in Inter Miami. They kind of know what it would like, what it's like to work with these teammates. Where someone like him, who's just been here a couple of weeks, you know, I think that's kind of the thing that kind of has to serve as his motivation. But it also, in a way, it gives a, a, a nice problem for Tata Martino as well because it shows like, okay, who can I trust in this sense? Like, how can we make this work? You know, is the case of making the sacrifice of dropping another, like an Arroyo or even. Busquets, I don't see that happening, of course, but it's like something along those lines. It's like what works best for me. And I think it's going to have to depend day, day, uh, game by game, you know, certainly, you know, in a, in, in an industry, in a league as well, where, you know, it's not really forgiving. <laughs> you know, we say that a lot in, in European leagues of like, you know, one game can ruin or make you. And so something like that, I mean, I don't, I don't see anything from, from um, Gomez to say that, yeah, his his starting role is definitely in jeopardy. But certainly, a lot of these players understand that there's going to be competition. Like if you're not, unless you're not Lionel Messi or or Busquets or Jordi Alba, your your position is going to be at risk. And so there are going to be players that are trying to obviously impress themselves and trying to impress the manager, trying to impress everyone involved as well. I think I think for someone like Gomez to understand that, and you know, like I previously said, you know, this was a a player who burst into a seam into a into a libertad side that was very much difficult to get into because of so many competition you know playing playing against very much different players across different competitions in south america not just in paraguay so i think he he understands that but now it's just taken up taken up a big of a notch for him to hopefully be able to to understand that yeah this isn't going to be as easy as i thought but it's it's good for him. It's a good learning experience, and I think what better way to learn it from, like I said, from a manager that you have in Tata Martino, who is such a, a good man manager more than anything, and also with the teammates that you have. I mean, it's a he's, it's a good experience to have. Now it's just for him to to take that opportunity and and seize it. Uh, Roberto, so I'm a big Liga de Quito fan, right? And in the our golden days, like 07, 08, we won the Libertadores in 08. We won the Sudamericana in 2009. One of our best players and one I was the biggest fan of him uh, was a Paraguayan by the name of Enrique Vera, part of the, the national team of Paraguay as well. And he reminds me so much of Diego Gomez, like just very aggressive on attack, like uh, anchoring a lot of times the defense, new, very tough could shoot from outside and was very good at tackling just like Diego Gomez knew when to step up on the defender to take away the ball. So in looking at a lot of highlights of Diego Gomez, unfortunately I haven't been able to see a, a watch a lot of the games, but I've, I've watched a lot of highlights. A lot of the highlights tend to be that aggressive attacking side. I saw a few highlights uh, on the defensive end and they looks very promising, but I'm just curious since you're more in tune with uh, Paraguayan soccer or football, what is the general consensus 
from that side about his defensive capabilities? Like, what what does that look like? No, I think you're accurate. I think that's someone yeah. uh, Rambert, as we actually used to say, that's kind of his yeah, name we give him <laughs> over there in uh, in Paraguay. But yeah, that's something that I think you know, even for him, is something that is is capable of doing. You know, being able to anchor that midfield, be able to be aggressive not afraid to go on the attack as well. And I think that's even something that not just Inter Miami would like to have, but even for us in the national team, because, yeah. you know, I'm, I'll probably even say, I've been following this team for over 15 years, I would say. And I've enjoyed Enrique Vera during his time out because he was mm -hmm. someone that was able to anchor that midfield. And we haven't had a, a talent like that ever since, you know, that's always something we like, well, yeah, we've had like wingers and, you know, yeah. defenders and whatnot, but we've never had like that kind of like main anchorman. And I think that's the hope that we have, hopefully, for Gomez. He's already had a few games on the national thing. I think he's had like four or five. Mm -hmm. I would expect him, even if he didn't make this move to Inter Miami, but I think now it's kind of increased tenfold that he will get called up to the national thing. You got the World Cup qualifiers happening for the for the next World Cup in a couple of weeks. So that's obviously going to be a, a big thing for him. If he gets called up, I would expect him to be called up by um, Guillermo Barros-Geloto. So I think that in itself allows him to, again... Uh, you would think that him learning how to become a, a player that is able to work on all attributes. Like I said, I think that's yeah. something that is important for, for Inter Miami and for, for the national team as well, because if you have someone that is able to be kind of that linchpin in the midfield, be able to track back and to be able to, to, you know, to win balls and, and go into transition on the attacks to break the lines and, and not afraid to, of course, um, you know, shoot in distance as well. I think that's someone that's like, yeah, this is this is the guy. This is someone that we need, you know, supporting the likes of an Almiron or a or a mm -hmm. Ciso and whatnot. I think having him in that and learning in this in this way would be perfect. For him. Again, I think that's always been the, the hope for him as well. Is that you know, this isn't obviously any disrespect to MLS or under Miami, but it's that that's always been kind of our thing. It's like. And I think a lot of South American players would also agree with this. It's like mold yourself into a good player, try to improve what good you what you have, and then if you get lucky, like Almiron did when he went to England, go and try it in Europe because that's something that we've we're starting to now look at. We're starting to look at the success of what Almiron did at at Atlanta and working with the same manager. So a lot of people are thinking, okay. Of course, they're not the same position, but if he, if Tata Martino can mold this midfielder into someone that could be talented, I'm in the sense maybe like a Moises Caicedo. I mean, yeah. maybe they're not as similar, similar, but like in that sense of like, yeah, molding him into this kind of midfield and then make that big jump to Europe and then obviously work out from there. I think that's that's kind of the big hope for them for him. So I, I think, yeah, seeing him at Libertad, I think he's someone that can indeed try to improve a bit more defensively. I think he has the capability to do it as we've seen already, um, even in YouTube highlights or even in, in Miami games already. I think as long as he's able to do that and to mold into a better player, then I think he could be, you know, one of the unsung heroes for, for inner Miami, not exactly the main star because you still have someone that's going to yeah. take that, but, but at least like become one of those like underrated players and, and has the capability to, to be someone that, that likes to work hard because that's, I think that's something that is always kind of our, our MO really as the Paraguayan player. They always like to work hard. Maybe they're not yeah. exactly that talented, gifted, or technically, or like to showcase skills, but the one thing they'll do is work hard. So I think if you can combine that with everything that he can learn during his time under Miami, then I think he can have a, a really special player, not just from a team's perspective, but hopefully from a league perspective as well. 
one of the U22s that Miami have signed, Diego Gomez. I don't think that you will find a more in-depth discussion on Diego in the entire world here on Messi and Co. Roberto Rojas, thank you very much. If you can, let everybody know where they can find you and what you got going on. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much, guys, for having me. Of course, you could follow me on Twitter at Roberto Rojas 97 Obviously, as uh, as Austin had mentioned at the beginning, you can check out my podcast, Low Limit Football, which I do every week, talking about the world's game, talking about what's been going on, and you know, not exactly just in Paraguay, but if you do want something along those lines, check out What Any Vision, you know, our first ever podcast dedicated to Paraguayan football in English, where we talk about everything going on in Paraguay, national team, players abroad, local leagues, uh, you know, the whole the whole nine yards. So definitely check it out there. And yeah, thanks so much for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So when Diego Gomez has his first man of the match performance, Roberto, you're coming right back on to Messi and Co. to talk all about it. Thank you so much, man. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Have a good one. That was Roberto Rojas. Uh, Wow. What I I, that was a really, really good discussion, really good discourse about uh, Diego Gomez and what's going on kind of with Miami's midfield and where, you know, it's kind of headed going forward. There are still going to be you know, discussions about Benha, about Diego Gomez, who should start um, at least for now in, in the rest of this competition, but at least, you know, you know, for when Gregory comes back and Jean Mota comes back, the discussions are going to be increased even further about what should happen in Tata Martino's midfield. Gian, we learned a lot there. Yeah, yeah, we definitely did. It's good because we're very limited sometimes to what we can see as, as an audience from outside, you know, the country that those players are playing with. Like I was uh, mentioning to him, I was able to see a few things on YouTube and a few highlights, but it doesn't necessarily paint the entire picture. And uh, he just did a great job of, of doing that for us. We, we kind of understand what the player profile is um for Gomez now and I think that that's going to help us kind of understand what sometimes what Tata might end up doing with with the scheme with the how he how he maneuvers players so that's good and I'm I'm excited you know I we had that disagreement earlier on about between Benja and and Gomez but the more I've seen I can I can see him taking that spot but I don't I, I still will not like admit that it's to me like a hundred percent obvious that he should I think that they're, so what, they're what interchangeable. Happens Charlotte, Gian? What, what do you think happens against Charlotte uh, tomorrow night on Friday? So, I mean, we for that, we kind of we got to understand how Charlotte plays. And Charlotte's a team that pressures very much. They're going to pressure you very high up. Um, so we're going to necessarily we're going to need that connection between the defense and and the forwards. Right. And we know that it's either going to be Busquets or Kremaski, so it's or if or Gomez. So I would say, like, who do you think is going to give you that better, that bigger chance of being able to transition between defense and offense? Do we think that the playmaking of of Kremaski is going to be more helpful in that situation? Do we think maybe the toughness of Gomez being able to push through uh, with that ball because he's a very tough guy? He's able to get himself out of tricky situations with his physicality. So I, I think I'm open to to either, but. You know me. I'm one of those guys that if it's working, like don't mess with it. But Tata knows what he's doing, and Tata is very much in favor of Gomez. In his press conference, he actually asked, no, not in his press conference. Excuse me. On in a in a on the Athletic, I read a I read something on there that they had asked. 
out there like what was the situation with gomez and gomez he actually reached out directly to gomez himself and called him he handpicked gomez he was very much part of all the negotiations that had to do with bringing gomez in and he actually called gomez on the phone and he said what are you waiting for why aren't you here yet <laughs> so and that's a quote so that's actually pretty funny so that just shows like he's very much for gomez but uh, I think that when all those negotiations started happening, all that, we hadn't seen the quite the emergence of Kremaski yet, right? right so right, for right. that, that's even tougher. It's like, I thought this was a for sure gone conclusion that Gomez was coming in for that position. Now Kremaski steps up, he's scoring, he's... So... Um, it's such a good problem to yeah. have. Like, oh, I, like, especially with the injuries in midfield. And I know we yeah. spent, like, the majority of the show talking about the midfield, but that's just kind of... We, we know what's going to happen in the attack with Lionel Messi, but... The problem that Tata Martino has now is who to start in the midfield. And who would have thought of any of us that we'd be asking these questions at this point in the season with long time in, or long term injuries to Gregory and Jean Mata, who have been running the midfield for years with Inter Miami now. So it's, it's a little insane to me that we're even having a discussion about these two guys, because I do think that they're both extremely beneficial to Miami's midfield. You know, bringing the likes of Dixon Arroyo was an emergency kind of thing. It's worked out because he plays well for the most part alongside yeah. Sergio Busquets. And I think, you know, for Tata Martino to, to have to make this decision, at least in the long run, it's going to benefit Miami. And you're, you've got, you know, these guys locked in for quite some time. Now, I don't know what that what is in store when it comes to their future, because a lot of times, you know, players from South America like to make the MLS jump to end up jumping over to Europe, like Miguel Amiron did, um, mm -hmm. the, the, the fellow Paraguayan. So it's a very interesting discussion. And I think that going forward, it's a discussion that's great to have because you're talking again about the depth on an MLS side. And that's not something that is very normal across the league. So it's, it's a huge, huge thing um, for, for Inter Miami. Now Charlotte is visiting Lionel Messi and co uh, in the quarterfinal at drive pink stadium, a little update um, about this. It will push back the August 20th game that was originally scheduled in MLS, uh, the return of MLS for Inter Miami against Charlotte um, also at home. Uh, because the winner of this game goes on to the semifinal. And with the semifinal game, there's also a third place game going to be played. They're both going to be played on the same day, which is August 19th. So you're not going to play back-to-back -back games and back-to-back -back days. Uh, so the August 20th game has been postponed to a later date to be confirmed. It's not been announced just yet. It'll probably be midweek between the 20th and the 30th, because I believe Inter Miami take on Nashville on the 30th. So it'll be sometime in between those 10 days. Uh, so that's something to look at. Uh, you know, as we are getting ready to wrap up the show here, this isn't, you know, the games get increasingly larger for into Miami. It's still a one and done kind of thing, a knockout tournament. And if you do end up making that semifinal, you have a chance to play for a CONCACAF champions cup spot. No matter what, I believe third place in leagues cup does get an automatic spot. So this game is absolutely huge for the, you know, the progression of into Miami as a franchise have never made really an international competition uh, or intercontinental competition, I should say. And now with one game away for playing for a spot in the CONCACAF Champions Cup, just how important is this, Gian? Well, I think you want to make sure that this team gets into the international spotlight. I mean, it already has, obviously, with Messi, right. but even just these these competitions like the CONCACAF Champions are very prestigious um very prestigious awards very prestigious trophies so i think that as a young team you want to start to build on these moments and be able to add silverware to 
your team. And, and again, especially from the beginning, you're a, a, basically a three-year-old team. If you start winning these trophies and winning cups and that sort of thing, that's going to attract even more players. So it's like almost like use this as a springboard. You've got some of the top players now start getting some of the top results and you can see our team just, I mean, basically start to be a, a like other players are going to see this and say, I want to be a part of this. So it, it's good for Inter Miami. It's good for the MLS as a whole, as a league, just to make it a better league in general. We're already just, you know, with just the players that we've gotten, we already see rumors of like Neymar. Like when would you have thought rumors of Neymar coming to the MLS at the at his age? Like all of this is is just amazing. And it's just something for us to, to build upon. If we can get, if we can get this position or this uh, uh, spot in Conca Champions, that's just going to be huge for for american soccer and and for miami and make miami a marquee spot in in the mls uh right now we're you know outside of us who are very uh very um excited about our team there's teams that talk bad about us and they think that we're not that good but we're we have a chance to show them that we're a we're a top tier club so it's it's really important and just for the confidence of the players as well that uh, there's nothing better than having some uh, silverware in the locker room Absolutely. As of right now, Inter Miami's only trophy is a preseason trophy. The Breezeway Airlines Carolina Challenge Cup. I'll never <laughs> forget it. Um, we'll be right back after a quick word from another one of our great sponsors and give you some predictions for our uh, for the Charlotte FC match here on Friday. Are you ready to transform your space into a masterpiece? Introducing Mosaics, your destination for stones and more. Mosaics is a family-owned business serving the community for over 20 years. With the best quality porcelain, ceramic tiles, and high-end mosaics featuring unique modern designs, Mosaics has everything you need. Dedicated customer service, wholesale distributors, and a passion for excellence. Make sure you visit mosaics.com today to turn your vision into a reality. All right, thank you, Mosaics. We're back now, and Gian, let's just you know do a little bit of a rapid fire. Uh, I'm going to ask you a couple, three quick questions, and you're going to let me know what you think the first one is does Messi get on the score sheet uh within the first 10 minutes <laughs> <laughs> so I, I believe Messi has scored in minute six seven and eight already and I, I yeah. do think that he will probably score let's the keep the streak going exactly and, and Charlotte is not I'm not to say that Charlotte isn't a, a formidable opponent but I do believe that the test away at Dallas or Frisco was a lot tougher than what's going to happen here on Friday. So I do fancy Miami and Messi's chances. They've Next allowed question. the most goals, by the way, in yeah. the MLS, 40 goals. So, And that's only in what, 20, 20, I'm trying to think, 22 games maybe? Something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. So, yeah, um, it's just insane. Now, the next question is win, win in penalties, loss. What's your thought there? Um, I'm going to say win and not to go on a tangent, but really, I, I think that they're not, I, I think we faced tougher opponents. Let's just say that yeah. so far in this competition. So I, I definitely think if we've, if we survived Dallas and some of these tough games, I think this is an easier opponent. So I think we win and scoreline scoreline. Okay. Uh, um, the only two goals that they scored in their last game. Charlotte was a, I believe it was an own goal yep. and one like, because of an own goal. yeah, of an own goal. And maybe like they, they didn't have that many opportunities, I think. So I think that they might score one goal. And I think that we scored, I think we scored four. I think it's four, one. Four I think it's four, one. one. That's how confident I am in not only our team, but the fact that 
you know, what we've had to go through to get here, I think we're ready for this game. Yeah, I, I do agree. I think it, it this will be one of Miami's better all-around performances. I think with what you saw in Dallas, um, Tata Martino do, does have some tactical changes to be made, but this mm-hmm. team should be ready to take on the challenge at home in a quarterfinal. I don't think a, a game this far in a tournament has ever been played for Inter Miami at Driving Stadium. Not U.S. or maybe a U.S. Open Cup quarterfinal, but I believe when they did that, it was against Orlando in Orlando when they lost in penalties. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, you know, this is a this is a high stakes game, and there are going to be more high stakes games for Inter Miami down the stretch. This is going to be the start of it. You've got a possible U.S. Open Cup final in September, and then every home game that Miami are going to play in MLS down the stretch leading into October in the playoffs is a high stakes game because there's not a lot of room for error. So the pressure is on. It has been on since Messi joined the team and Busquets and now Jordi Alba, Diego Gomez, Facundo Farias, Thomas Aviles, so many names and so many players under Tots Martino. Um, and like I said, the pressure's on and will they be able to handle it? They've shown so far that they can. And I agree that the streak will continue for everybody here at Messi and Co. Gian, Alejandro behind the scenes, myself, Austin Roblard, Ashley, Morgan, Mani, everybody who's taken part in all of our content. Make sure you guys stay tuned on the YouTube channel, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you get your podcast. Um, make sure to like, subscribe, and rate the podcast if you can. Get the downloads on a weekly basis. You have an English and Spanish episode coming every single week. And we will see you guys post-game, post-game, following the Charlotte-Miami matchup. We should have a show to go ahead and talk immediately about it. And if not, there will be a Spanish and an English one leading into the semifinal if Miami are to advance, no matter what. So stay tuned for all the content. For everybody here at Five Reasons Sports, thank you so much for listening to Messi and Co. And we will see you guys next time. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.